You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. I'm your host, your pal, in the Katie Kapidoff in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. The Locked On Vikings podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Twitter Tuesday, which means we are mostly going to go over your mailbag questions. New and old, I've been stockpiling a lot of draft questions that you guys have been asking me since like February that I just was not equipped to answer at all. I set those aside for now, and we're going to circle around to a lot of old ones, so we'll see exactly how dated they are. Uh, But before we get into all of that, I do have to share some not-so-fun news with you all about cornerback Jeff Gladney, who was arrested. He turned himself in uh, a few days ago in Texas for a domestic assault incident. He is being charged with third-degree felony assault, could carry a prison sentence of two to ten years if convicted, and uh, the story is very unpleasant. So if you are somebody who is particularly sensitive to matters involving domestic assault, if that's something that's super unpleasant for you to hear uh, and something you would rather avoid, then I suggest you skip ahead to around the seven or eight minute mark in the show. Most of the show will be about mailbag stuff, but we do have to talk about it. The details are pretty gruesome. If you have the stomach for it and you want to look it up for yourself, I will link the original story in the show notes uh, that will have... Also, like the Vikings came out with a pretty vanilla statement. They're aware of the matter. They don't have any further comment, you know, the kind of boilerplate thing um, and all of the other details and pertinent information you might want. But for this show, I guess I just want to have like an open conversation about uh, domestic violence and being a fan of the NFL because it's really hard sometimes to like keep up NFL fandom when this kind of thing happens in the NFL all the time. And we can get into a lot of conversations about the Vikings specifically and why did they draft him? What did they miss? Should they have done something else? What does this mean for Mackenzie Alexander or Mike Hughes? I don't think any of those conversations are particularly appropriate to to have right now. Right now, I think it's more important to reconcile with like our own fandoms. We're all Vikings fans and now a Viking did something pretty heinous. If you think he should never be in the NFL again, I don't have particularly high hopes for that. But I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. And I think like how we reconcile with that as fans is a very internal and personal conversation. It's it's a conversation we kind of have to keep between ourselves and our mirrors. And everybody is going to deal with that differently. For some people, it's going to be rooting for the Vikings, except for Jeff Gladney. I root for failure on Jeff Gladney, but the Vikings to win the game in spite of it. Some people will just kind of swallow it and try to ignore it and just root for the Vikings like normal. Some people will take every single opportunity they can to disparage Jeff Gladney every time he comes up in conversation, if he ever makes a play on the field or anything like that. And basically, like, loudly root against him for the entirety of the remainder of his time in the NFL. And I don't think there's a problem with any of that. It's a very, like, personal thing that we have to kind of deal with personally. But here is what I'm, like, not as down with. I don't think that there is a, a, a way for one fan to tell another fan how to, like, reconcile their fandom with something terrible. 
And I am definitely not down with people taking like draft victory laps about how bad Rick Spielman is and he should have taken Antoine Winfield or whatever. If that's the take that you've taken out of this, and I did see some of that like online and stuff, that's not great. And you should probably take a step back and evaluate what's important to you. I'm not a big fan of that. But when it comes to how much you do or don't want to keep Jeff Gladney and what happened on uh, April 2nd, I think it was, in the back of your mind... I think you just have to make the choice that feels right in your own heart. And that's just something that nobody else can tell you how to do. But until then, this offseason is going to probably carry an all too familiar tune where we see, you know, Jeff Gladney will probably put out a statement at some point apologizing and all that. The criminal charges more often than not get settled out of court. It's very rare that you see somebody actually like do the prison time that they're initially charged with in general in the criminal justice system, not just because he's an NFL player, although that is probably going to contribute to a lesser sentence or, uh, you know, a settling the charge out of court and the way that these things tend to work out, the NFL ends up kind of being the moral arbiter and the justice system takes a back seat to kind of uh, backroom dealings between the two parties that we never get to know about. And I think to pin it entirely on, oh, you know, Jeff Gladney, what a, what a piece of crap, or the Vikings, what pieces of crap for supporting him or anything like that, I think absolves the NFL in general. And while I think, obviously, I mean, this is a terrible thing and disparaging Jeff Gladney is more than appropriate, don't let yourself come to think that Jeff Gladney is the only one to carry guilt here because the NFL and the the toxic cultures that go on in locker rooms listen NFL locker rooms are not you know your break room at the office it is a very unique culture that is fostered of you know a whole bunch of absolutely crazy macho men and then old macho men as their coaches constantly hopped up on adrenaline and endorphins and whatever else and the fact that this is such a familiar thing and it just so happens to be perpetrated by somebody who wears purple this time but the fact that it is such a familiar sequence is not a coincidence the nfl and its culture of toxic masculinity are an absolutely huge problem and it's one that nobody is immune to not our beloved vikings not the chiefs not the seahawks nobody and honestly it's going to keep happening until the nfl as in conglomeration not just an organization not just the shield and goodell but the coaches the players everybody in the nfl until all of those macho men embrace a culture shift this kind of thing is just gonna keep happening that's all i really have to say for now we'll see how long a suspension is right these kinds of things vary they could be two games could be eight games could be a whole year depending on what the nfl feels the pr should be because let's be honest that's kind of how they make Make these decisions. Um, and until then, we just kind of have to let that be a question mark in our minds and we can continue talking about the, Vi- the Vikings elsewise. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the mailbag. We're going to talk a lot about the draft today and we're going to have fun for the rest of the show. And it's pretty much all draft questions today. So a lot of those questions uh, came way earlier in the offseason. So you may have asked a question that I've just been like, has I've just been kind of like hanging on to for a long time. One of those questions comes from Forrester who says, what projected round? Is this Radden's character supposed to go? Dylan Radden's uh, offensive tackle from NDSU. Uh, is he a fit to play tackle or guard in the zone scheme? Uh, yeah, I think he's a really good fit. I'm not a fan of him as a prospect. He seems kind of like the kind of raw athlete that's got all this ceiling if you can teach him everything from scratch. 
And he's like a slight build, super agile kind of guy, but even his balance on the move hasn't been great. And so he needs to like hone that technique and also put on a whole bunch of weight. It's like Brian O'Neill as a prospect, but a lot worse. And you can't expect those guys to turn out like Brian O'Neill every time. Also, NDSU ran a lot. And so that kind of messes with your sample of, of how good he looks and all that stuff. I, I don't love him as a prospect. He seems Vikingsy in all the worst ways, I guess is one way to put it. Uh, but he also comes from a small school, which means he might fall a little bit further than he should. So there might still end up being value there. You know, in the third round, my my tune about this is going to change a lot. I got a lot more questions that I want to get to. Uh, but first, let's talk a little bit about college basketball. As you are listening to this, you have seen who won on the Mensa. Obviously, we saw that absolute banger, Stanford and Arizona. Uh, it, let me know if you want some money off of that, if you if you were gambling or if you won money off of the men's side with Gonzaga and Baylor. I do not know. You are from the future. I am from the past, and I do not know who has won yet. If you want to go place a wager on anything, NFL Futures, MLB, uh, you know, NBA is now in full swing too, head on over to betonline.ag. You can sign up for free on your computer, on your mobile device, and you can use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus when you first sign up. When you make your account, you do your very first deposit, enter promo code LOCKEDON, you get 50% free match. That means for every $100 in your first deposit, you get 50 bucks free play money that you can go ahead and gramble with. That's at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Reviewing the NCAA championship on the Locked On Today podcast, I'm sure, as well as everything else you need to know in the wide, wide world of sports. Talk about that Darnold trade and all of that stuff with Peter Bukowski under 20 minutes every single morning, every day of the week. That's the Locked On Today podcast available at the Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite shows. Now, let's continue on with some draft questions here. Most of this is, is uh, draft stuff. The next one comes from Connor M, who says Sewell and Lamp or Fisher and Vera Tucker. Panay Sewell. Uh, and Forrest Lamp, uh, or Eric Fisher and Elijah Vera Tucker, of course. This is hard. I, it's it's tough. I mean, both of these are a tackle and a guard, right? So just taking it, you know, one at a time. Do I like to do, which tackle do I like better? I'd probably rather have Sewell than Eric Fisher, just based on health and youth and stuff. Um, and of course, you know, Sewell would cost a draft pick. Fisher would cost money. I think I'd rather spend money. Um, but. I think Sewell as an asset probably carries a little bit more long-term value. Forrest Lamp and Vera Tucker, I think kind of the same thing. Give me the youth, give me the health, right? With Elijah Vera Tucker. So that gives me kind of one point in, in either uh, category. I think it will be easier and generally less costly on the whole to go with the Fisher and Vera Tucker thing. But I think that's a bigger injury risk. I think I'm going to go with that, though, because while Eric Fisher has uh, some some short-term uh availability concern he's only 30 and if he can come back from it you know he can still live a long career offensive linemen can play till they're 35 36 nowadays so i i think i go with fisher and Vera tucker but it's close it's a good one alexander fm says should draft rick draft his son jd spielman hashtag nepotism <laughs> that must have been right after the nepotism episode see how old some of these are uh and also hashtag wide receiver three hashtag kick returner uh if he can return yeah sure i haven't looked into him yet so i can't say with a lot of certainty um but i don't think it should be like precluded right just don't overvalue him um i i don't think that's going to be an issue in like the draft though i think it's more of an issue in coaching because there's not like this strong disincentive if you miss uh versus like you know you don't have to like buy a coach with like a finite resource like draft picks or cap space or something like that 
Stizo asks, how do you think Pay compares to Everson Griffin? I, I think Pay has a better athletic profile, right? And Griffin's athletic profile was excellent. We talked yesterday about Carlos Basham and uh, how his athletic profile actually maps really closely to Everson Griffin's, and that's like a big strength. And I think Pay is like that, but he's got the length that Griffin was missing. Um, so I, I think it's a better athletic profile. And Griffin came out pretty raw, if I remember, in 2010. It took him a while to come come along. He really, he, he wasn't much. I mean, he was kind of stuck behind like Jared Allen for a long time and Brian Robeson and stuff. So he never really got a lot of snaps. And when he got extended in 2014, people were kind of confused because he was like, it would be like, you know, extending Fadio Denebo to a market rate starter contract. You'd be like, oh, whoa, they must really believe in him. And obviously that panned out and they had the reasons for believing that. I think Pay comes in with a higher like ceiling than than Griffin. Um, uh, but obviously, you know, He's got to get there, too. And Griffin developed to about I think Griffin developed as as well as you could possibly have hoped for him to develop. Tigris asks which players must be available at pick 14 for Spielman to leave his modus operandi and not trade down. Um, I, I think trade down is probably my my ideal outcome here. So to be better than that, it has to be somebody unrealistic. It has to be like Kyle Pitts or, you know, one of the, if Zach Wilson is there, right, and you just have to get completely ridiculous. But even if a quarterback is there, if Justin Fields falls, that might be a reason to trade down because somebody's going to overpay, which is actually what we did in yesterday's Mock Draft Monday. Um, I, I think off the top of my head, I mean, I, I think Rayshon Slater makes sense. I think some of the edges make sense, right? If you're really, really high on Jalen Phillips and you've looked into the concussions and you're not worried about it, if, you know, you're really, really high on Quiddy Pay, that makes sense. Uh, if you are really high on some of the other, you know, Jamar Chase or something ridiculous like that, but that's probably not it. Um, Panay Sewell, I think you would take as well. Nick B says, I'm a big fan of drafting a possible Kirk Cousins successor within the first three rounds of the draft. I know that it shouldn't necessarily deter them from drafting one, but I'm concerned that the revolving door at OC would stunt the development of a young quarterback. Would you have the same concerns? This is another thing. The Vikings revolving door at OC has not been as non-continuous as you would Im- typically imagine one. You typically imagine an offensive coordinator problem. You're going through different schemes, guys are getting fired, but... The Vikings haven't changed schemes since 2019. That was the last major scheme shift that they had. And now they got different guys actually running the plays and doing the like on-field play calling job. But you're not changing terminology. You're not changing concepts. You can pretty much jump right in and go right to the new stuff as though there is a returning offensive coordinator. So those costs are diminished. And that's very much on purpose. So I don't think I would have the same concerns. And I also don't think it should preclude you. I I agree. It should not preclude you from uh, drafting a young quarterback, something like in, you know, in the third or fourth round or something, take that stab always. You never know when you're going to like magically stumble onto a Russell Wilson. To that end, Frawl Patton asks, how would you feel if the Vikings traded into the second round for Kyle Trask? Uh, so, uh, well, maybe not that much. <laughs> I, I, I do not like Kyle Trask at all as a prospect. I think he just has a lot of, you know, Cody Kessler is just never going to be starting quality. He's just too far away from it. It doesn't seem like he has the tools to be a particularly exciting quarterback. Um, so the second round, I think, would be a pretty bad move considering the probability of it working out. But that said, at the quarterback position, I'm going to be a lot more forgiving kind of always because the chance that I am wrong is worth betting on because of how important quarterback is. So I, I, I'll i always be a little more forgiving, but no, I wouldn't agree with that move for sure. Uh, Nick Howard says, which QB do you think has an Aaron Rodgers draft day fall? This one has been sitting in the coffers for a long time. I think now it's going to be kind of clear that Justin Fields appears to be that guy, that there's like concerns about like his effort or whatever. And again, whether or not you think that they should, the NFL might 
mess that up and let him fall really, really far. Uh, and yeah, I would definitely love for the Vikings to take that swing and kind of prepare for life after Kirk Cousins, but I don't think they are looking at the world that way right now. There's a lot more questions that I want to get to, but first I want to talk to you about your car. Are you taking good care of it if you're still working from home? I know a lot of people are starting to go back to their offices and stuff, and uh, if you, maybe your check engine light came on or something, maybe you need to change the oil because it's been a while and you haven't uh, driven it as much, so you don't have the same like mileage benchmarks. Uh, if you need to maybe change your own oil and you want to make sure you're getting something compatible with your car, Rock Auto can help you out. You go to rockauto.com, enter your year, your make, and your model, and they will sort out all the oils or whatever parts that are compatible with your car. So it can save you a lot of time on that research and it can save you a buck as well because they won't upsell their retail customers unlike they do for their wholesale buyers. The brick and mortar auto shops have two separate prices depending on if you're buying it from the front or from the back. Rock Auto doesn't do that to you. Everything's the same price, and that means you stand to save a buck. So head on over to rockauto.com, and at checkout, there's a How You Heard About Us section. Let them know that Locked On sent you. If you don't, I'm going to have to build my own lemonade stand and compete with my son, who already hates me. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. The draft is weeks away, so check out the Draft Dudes podcast and the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. It's our little duo here at the Locked On Network. The Draft Dudes watch every prospect so you don't have to. And the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, your one-stop shop for news, mock drafts, and everything in between. You can find all that stuff at the Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite shows. Let's continue on with the draft-centric mailbag. I mean, they'll all be draft-centric for the next few weeks here. The next one comes from Wade French, who says, would you, would you rather see fall to the Vikings, Kyle Pitts or Devonta Smith. That's another, I think, older one. I think it's pretty clear now that Pitts is going to go before Devonta Smith. There's some concern about Devonta Smith's, Smith's size. I think that's kind of dumb. And it seems like the idea, like maybe when this was originally asked, I would have thought it would be Kyle Pitts because I would have thought, oh, you know, NFL is going to get weird about tight ends. Doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. It sounds like there's a lot of buzz about him going to maybe Atlanta or maybe uh, going at number six to like Miami or if somebody trades up with Miami. Um, so I think Kyle Pitts is probably going to be off in the middle part of the top 10. And uh, I think Devonta Smith could fall a little bit closer to the Vikings just because the NFL seems more worried about those size concerns. I think both of those concerns are dumb, and I think both are very good prospects that you should want on your team. But if I were to try to guess the way the NFL would treat them, I think Devonta Smith is going to fall a little farther despite the Heisman and all of that stuff. Colton Persons asks, let's say Rayshon Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Quiddy Pay are all on the board at pick 14. Who are you taking? I don't love Elijah Vera Tucker there. I'd rather trade down. I think you can probably trade down and get him. I, I mean, I've been struggling with that with Mock Draft Monday, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but I would take Rayshon Slater over Elijah Vera Tucker. Slater just seems like a higher upside prospect and a, a, a more consistent prospect right now. Um, so it would be between Slater and Pay for me, and that's actually something I've kind of been agonizing over. Those two specific prospects or two prospects, I've kind of been thinking, man, I, I don't really know because they are pretty close in, um, in, in evaluation to me. I think I go with Slater because he's, again, there, there's less work to unlock him, less assembly required, and Quiddy pays a little bit more assembly required, even though he maybe has a higher ceiling. I think the defensive end and offensive line, like positional value are close enough where it doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, so I, I think I'm going to go with Slater, but I could be talked into pay pretty easily if you had a good point. Steezo, another one, asks, what is likely to be more impactful in 2021, day two defensive end or a day two fifth skill position player? I'm going to go with a defensive end because I like these defensive ends better than I like these skill players. My answer might be different in a different draft. There's also the snap count concern, right? Any 
play you have, you know, CJ Ham on the field, any play you want to go two tight ends and you drafted a wide receiver, that guy's not going to be on the field. Now, if you draft a wide receiver on day two, you're probably going to run more 11 personnel, so it'll kind of sort itself out that way. But a second defensive end is going to be on the field for probably like 80% of snaps, probably not the case with a fifth skill position player. Um, but if a if the skill position players were better than the defensive ends, and in this particular year, I don't think that's the case, then I might say skill position players when those guys were like T Higgins and the edge class was like terrible last year. So I think it probably oscillates year to year. This year, I would go with the defensive ends. Uh, Nick Howard says, in your mock draft Monday episode, how tempted were you to take Fields at 14? So if you missed that, go listen to it. But uh, yeah, Justin Fields was there at 14, and I used that as leverage to trade down. Oh, buddy, I was so tempted. I really, really wanted to take Justin Fields. But I, I think, and I would advocate for the Vikings to take Justin Fields there. I wanted to try to more accurately simulate the Vikings because I thought that would be a more informative experience. And I think the, we took Justin Fields and now we're blowing everything up draft is a little bit more of a fantastical thing that I don't think I want to do on Mock Draft Monday, although I might, you know, explore that another time. I did explore that when uh, I did the Blow It All Up episode during pre-free agency stuff, if you want to go way back and listen to that. Um, and it just didn't feel, I don't know, it felt like, yeah, that would be fine, but I don't think it would, like, give us as informative of a context for, like, what do you do in the second round now? You know, now that you've taken uh, a guard, what do you do in the second round versus if you took a quarterback and you still just have all the needs? I feel like that's just not as uh, informative of a context. Ryder Jensen asks, if they redid the 2020 NFL draft, would Justin Jefferson be the first wide receiver off the board, or did he benefit from better quarterback play? So I got to think of what the quarterbacks were. Jerry Judy, he went to uh, Denver. They had Drew Locke. Uh, Henry Ruggs went to Derek Carr. C.D. Lamb went to the Dallas mess, and uh, and then you also had Jalen Raygor went ahead of him, and um, that was probably not due to quarterback play. So it was really those those were the top three. And then Justin Jefferson and Jalen Raygor were kind of the uh, 4A and 4B on most of the boards, on like the consensus, right? That's how the draft kind of did that. So I think knowing what we know now, yeah, I think Justin Jefferson goes first. Uh, he did probably benefit from better quarterback play than, uh, you know, like Derek Carr or like Andy Dalton, right? Like that's not a high bar to clear. But I, I don't think you had a situation where like those players were like completely hamstrung by just absolute pure ineptitude, right? Like those, even Drew Locke had his moments, right? Derek Carr had a decent season. Um, and I think enough to showcase ability if you had it. And they all had it. They all had okay rookie years. Um, but I think all of those players, if they could trade straight up right now, no contract uh, penalties, no uh, you know draft penalties or anything like that. I think if you asked all three of those GMs, would you trade your guy for Justin Jefferson today, right now, no strings attached? I think they'd all say yes. And the last one that I'm going to talk about today comes from JMSE Quits, who asks, what is the last player on your board you would still be pleased with if we drafted them at 14, no trade downs? So this will happen sometimes. Sometimes you just can't find a trade down. I actually had a similar situation. I won't spoil anything, but the, we are coming out with a locked on NFL mock draft that we've already done and we're making content for it that'll come out closer to the draft. And I uh, trading down was really, really hard because the way the board fell, nobody wanted to come up. So that was like a difficulty. I tried really hard to trade down and it was really tough. So that can happen. And I think this is a very, very realistic question to ask and it's a good exercise to go through. So the last player that I would be like, like, okay with. So let me just go through all of these, right? Well, a bunch of the quarterbacks, right? If something weird happens and Zach Wilson's there or, you know, Justin Fields is there, probably wouldn't love Mac Jones. I just don't love him as a prospect, but I think taking a quarterback at 14 that's supposed to be a first-round guy in principle is 
plenty justifiable. Um, so I'd probably do it for the four other uh, first round quarterbacks. I'd do it for Lance, Fields, Wilson, Lawrence, right? That's easy. I'd probably do uh, pick at 14 any of the pass catchers, uh, the major pass catchers, right? You've got uh, Jamar Chase, of course, Kyle Pitts, of course, um, Waddle and Devonta Smith, I think is more arguable, but I think I would do either of them. I think that would be fine. Um, I would pick, you know, the last player I would pick is probably going to be Elijah Vera Tucker because I would pick the tackles, Sewell and and Slater. I would take them. I would take a couple of the edges. I would take Quiddy Pay. I would take, I, I am not sure if I would take Jalen Phillips or not yet. I haven't really looked enough into the concussion thing and found if there is any public information about it. The take just kind of has to be, hey, he's the best edge on the board if you're okay with the concussions. And I can't really know that. So I can't really answer that definitively. Um, I, there's a couple other edge rushers that I probably would like rather trade down and I would feel a little weird about just taking them at 14. So I think it's going to be Elijah Vera Tucker and everybody else who is up there, it's like Christian Barmore and stuff and people at positions they don't need that I don't think makes sense as like best player available you know michael parsons kind of would make sense if you wanted like your heir apparent to anthony barr but there he's got some major off-field red flags that i don't think are something that you could like ignore Uh, i still think the secondary is relatively complete uh even if you don't rely on jeff gladney's availability you still have Mackenzie alexander and stuff so i think the secondary will be okay um although i mean if they did take like patrick sertain or somebody like that or like jc horn i guess that would be okay i i don't love it though i would take patrick sertain but uh, would I take Patrick Sertain over Elijah Vera Tucker? That's the real question. And I think whoever I would take last out of those two is my last uh, option. Probably still Vera Tucker. I think Vera Tucker is the last guy that I would take. Yeah. So wrapping that one up with some stream of of, of consciousness. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to talk a little bit. I want to talk about edge rushers and the, the Vikings edge rush need. I want to get to that sometime this week. Uh, I also have a couple of projects coming in with some of your old mock drafts that you all send me uh, and learning things from the stuff we got wrong, because I think that's an important thing to try to think about. In the meantime, you can always find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. See you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.